Estes. You know, at our church, we are, are passionate about the Word of God. And one of the things that is critical for us, I believe, in our walk with the Lord is that we understand His Word. And so what you find here, if you're visiting today, one of the things that we are intentional about is we turn our face to God's Word and, and we see God's Word as His divinely inspired Word to us. It corrects us. It, God's Word um, uh, rebukes us at times. It, it guides us. And God has given us this incredible gift, and it's important for us to recognize the whole counsel of God. So you'll find us often, we, will, we just go back and forth between the Old and the New Testament. And we've been in the New Testament for a little while as we studied the book of Acts. And, and over the next nine weeks, we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and Ecclesiastes is a really important book. It's wisdom literature. And, and so it's creative, but it offers some wisdom for life. And when I look at Ecclesiastes, it really does deal with the dash. It deals with our life on this planet. And, and, and it's, it's wisdom, and we need wisdom. Ecclesiastes, it speaks to a lot of things. It, it speaks to the ups and downs in the dash of our lives. And we have ups and downs in it. It, it speaks to, um, it's written by Solomon. He identifies himself as the preacher. Most people, most scholars agree that Solomon is the one that wrote this book. And, and there's evidence of that that we'll probably see as we study it. Um, but, but in the midst of this journey of life, we see through the book of Ecclesiastes that, that the God of all creation, he's big enough to handle the, the questions we have the struggles that we have in life. Because the truth is, there, we look at this life, and as life unfolds, there are many times we question things. And, and Ecclesiastes helps us realize that that's okay. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a little bit of a philosophical journey. And so we're going to be uh, dealing with some philosophical things, some meaning in life. Uh, it, it helps us as we evaluate our, our work, our stuff that we have, it's a really important book. We learn in the book of Ecclesiastes not to miss the joy in the everyday things, in the mundane things, because honestly, we look at the everyday and sometimes we go, oh, that's just normal. But there's great joy in the normal. And sometimes we overlook that. Um, Ecclesiastes teaches us about money, about sex, about power, about ambition, about this natural cycle of life that we see. It's, uh, it exposes the, the folly that, that, or the, the vanity that you'll see that really does wreck our lives. Folks, there are things that can wreck our lives, and, and this is important. And here's, if you're going to summarize the book of Ecclesiastes, I think it can be summarized in this statement. It's that a life surrendered to God's purposes is the only path to genuine meaning. I want you to think about that. A life that is surrendered to God's purposes, it's the only path to genuine meaning. And this is important because when I look at people, I look at the world I live in, people are in search, in a desperate search for meaning in their lives. And the book of Ecclesiastes reveals what's important. In, in this, you'll hear this word vanity a lot. Now, now vanity, what, in some of your translations, it'll say meaningless. 
It's meaningless. And Solomon is in this moment of, of philosophical consideration. And he's looked at all these things in his life, and he says in chapter 1, verse 2, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You're like, oh, super. This will be fun. Everything's meaningless. Great. Can't wait for the next nine weeks. No, it's really important. And it's rich, and it's beautiful, and it's... Uh, incredible. He gives us this perspective, and, it, and it, it, it exposes the book of Ecclesiastes. What I find is that as I study the book of Ecclesiastes, I realize that this book is studying me, that, that this is a book that reveals the problem of humanity. It's so important. You know, it helps me see that, that and it's something that I've tried to instill in the life of my kids that, you know, it's, it's tough. It's probably tough at times, and I, I didn't experience this in my life, but it's, it's tough being a pastor's kid, uh, you know, because they're supposed to know all the Bible answers at school and, and all that stuff. And, 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 and I, I tell my kids, and I, I've tried to instill this into them, that um, I, I want them to walk with the Lord not because I'm a pastor and it makes me look better, in front of people, because that really doesn't, I try to throw that away and push that aside. But I said to my kids all their lives, I want you to walk with the Lord because it's the best thing you can do in your life. It's the path to meaning and, and, and fulfillment. And, and the truth is, God's way is not only the best way. And I want us to see this. God's way is not only the best way, but walking with him and following him is the only path to true meaning. And it's, it's also the only way to adequately prepare for that divine appointment that's on every one of our calendars. Walking with Jesus is the only way to do that. So here's what we're going to do this morning. And, and one of the things that I'm praying that you do, and I hope you embrace this challenge to memorize Ecclesiastes 12 13 and 14. Because as, now today we're going to study, we're going to turn our face to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. But as you study the book of Ecclesiastes, there's something that's very important for you to, to realize. That Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 is the lens that we view everything written in the book. And so you, if, if we as a church study this book and miss the lens of Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, you miss the entire point of the book that God's given us. And so this is why I want to challenge us to, to put this to memory, to put this verse in our heart, for, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to use his word as, as like uh, Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That, that I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. In Psalms 119, it says this. And, and it's my prayer that we memorize this. And so here's what I want us to do. Uh, turn to Ecclesiastes 12. And, um, and I want us to stand together and read verses 13 and 14. So would you please stand as we read God's word today. Ecclesiastes 12 Verse 13 and 14, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 
For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you. May be seated. Now, now here's what's interesting as you look at this book. Turn back to chapter 1. And, and Solomon, here's what he's doing. He's, he, he's this leader, the, the, the king of Israel, and he, he really is one that lived his dash, lived his life seeking meaning. He's the one that, that God said, you're the, you're the wisest man that ever lived. You're the, you're the, there's, he's the wealthiest man that's ever lived in the history of the world, past, present, and future. He's the wealthiest man. That, that's Solomon. I mean, most of us would say, well, give me that problem. Let me have that, that issue. But, but what's interesting is, is even though he was the wealthiest one that's ever lived, God helped him learn the folly of all that wealth. And, and this is important for us to understand because when you look at Solomon, uh, he systematically tested every conceivable earthly pursuit. And he was systematic about it. He was intentional about it. And every earthly pursuit he tested. And, and he recognized and reveals in this scripture, God reveals that all of these earthly pursuits come up short. So when we saw the news this week and the, the guy, I don't know where he was from, that won the lottery this week or whatever, you know, so many people think, oh man, if I could just do that. I'll be happy. But we see from the wealthy, all you have to do is watch the news, you see from the wealthy and the rich and famous and, and, and all these people that, that it's folly, it doesn't satisfy. And, and it's important to recognize this. Now think about this, and here's something that's really important to realize. Do you know that wisdom is available to us? I mean, think about that. Wisdom, not only just, not earthly wisdom, God's wisdom is available to us. And this is an important lesson to understand that that we have the opportunity to learn what to do before we make a choice. That's wisdom, isn't it? Is, Is you know what to do before you decide to do it. You know, there's a lot of people learn through hard knocks. They learn by experience, and they learn that, that okay, I'm just going to make that mistake. Ooh, not going to do that again. Uh, uh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that, because when you learn through hard knocks, what do you have to do? You have to deal with the consequences of those choices. Just this last week, I, I had the Terminex guy at my house, and uh, I moved my little um, uh, garden hose and we're looking at where these ants are coming into our house. Robin doesn't like that. So I was like, hey, man, we got to get rid of these things. And, uh, and, and so I'm looking at it. I move my deal. And he goes, is that a snake right there? And I go, yep. And I go, I think it's two. And we're looking at these snakes. And I'm a city boy, man. I'm a city boy. And I'm like, huh. And, uh, and we, he goes, yeah, it's a little garden snake. And I kept looking at those things. And looking at those two little heads down there. And I go, I don't know about you, man, but I think that's a copperhead. And he goes, I think you're right. And I was like, hmm, 
Thank you, Lord, uh, for that. But, but I wonder who the first guy that says, oh, neat snake, ow, it bit me and my hand fell off. So that's a bummer, you know. So what I didn't, I learned from the people of my past, and I didn't just go and play with those things. I didn't play with them. So we can learn through hard knocks or learn from the wisdom that came before us. You know, um, this is what Solomon provides. This is why this book is so important. And my prayer for us, for all of us, is that, is that wisdom, God's wisdom, becomes our experience. Rather than, oh, I'm just going to learn from, I'm just going to learn by my own hard knocks. Let's allow, doesn't it make sense to allow God's wisdom to become our experience? Now, um, you know, it's interesting that the world that we live in because we live in a world with so much knowledge. I mean, we can Google anything, can't we? I and mean, we have Wikipedia, we have WikiLeaks, we have, uh, you know, we have WebMD. Like, you can get a headache, and, and then in a matter of minutes, you can self-diagnose yourself with, like, stage 4 cancer or, or, or constipation. And you're sitting there going, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I have this headache. And so this is just where we are. We, have, we live in this information age. And it's exhausting, but, but in the days of information, it's interesting, like Steve Green, who owns Hobby Lobby and, and Mardell, he was here several years ago, and he, he articulated that, that we live today in the most biblically illiterate society in the history of the world. And that's interesting, because most of us have the Bible app on our phone, and we can instantly find uh, information. But, but we're, we can remain, we, we, we can access information, but we struggle with wisdom, don't we? As I look at the world, we, we're struggling with wisdom. Now, point number one is this. If you have your notes, it's, it's that, did you know that God provides relevant wisdom for every nation, in every culture, at every point in history? Now think about that. God has been faithful to provide relevant wisdom for every nation in the history of the world. For, for every culture that's ever lived at every point in history. And that includes ours. And this is why when I, when I see people that say, you know, the Bible just doesn't, uh, it's not relevant today. I'm like, have you read it? I mean, because when I read it, I'm like, what part is not relevant? I struggle to find irrelevance in the pages of Scripture. Because I key, especially the book of Ecclesiastes, it, it reveals so much about me, about my struggles. And this is why this book is important. And here's what you'll find in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's this term that you'll continually run up against. It's called under the sun. It occurs 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and Solomon is constantly saying, this is life under the sun. What's he talking about? It's like this world. And it's smart. It's, it's unbelievable how he nails it. This is life under the sun. Uh, vanity is listed 37 times. Upon this earth, uh, he's, he's focusing on what's going on in this world, utilized seven times. The word preacher occurs seven times. Because it's interesting that Solomon's like, look, uh, 
your preachers talk. This is the preacher Solomon talking to you. And you know what? I, I think I'm not just trying to keep my job, but, but you need a preacher. We need preachers in the world. All through history, you know, it's one of the oldest professions in the history of the world, preaching, preachers. Historically, most towns had their only professions were doctors, lawyers, and preachers. And that's history um, in America and all through the world. And, and so the preacher is speaking. The book begins and ends with the law. Now, now you may say, well, Chris, you know, we, I thought we didn't follow the law. No, no, we got to remember, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, I did not come to abolish the law, but to what? To fulfill the law. So he's come to fulfill the law. So we got to be careful in this day and age that we go, oh, you know, the law doesn't matter. No, the Bible matters. God's word matters. Now, we need to understand the law in light of Jesus. But it's important to, to recognize we don't throw out the word, the Old Testament. We don't throw it out. We've got to study it and under, understand it appropriately. And, and Solomon learned, and this is what he's learning, he learned the need of a God-directed life that we need to have a, a God-directed life apart from, from surrender to the Lord. In your life, apart from surrender to the Lord, that will result in nothing but meaninglessness. And this is the reality. And I want you to see that given enough time, if you give uh, enough time in your life without fearing God, without honoring Him, then what that will produce in your life is emptiness and frustration, and suffering, and doubt, and instability. And this is just the truth. And so this is what God's, God's Word reveals. Now, there's some themes in Ecclesiastes that we're going to overcome, we're going we're to deal with over the next nine weeks. And, and I, I really want to encourage you to um, stay in the habit of coming to church. Stay in the habit of being around God's people. Because we need this. We need each other. We need God's word in our lives. But there's some themes in, in, in Ecclesiastes, and I wanna, I'll put them on the screen here, just some things that you can see through this book. The first theme is, is that a person can live a long life with nothing to show for it. That you could live a long life, and you could acquire things, and you could acquire stuff, and you could have a good career, but, but really, when you get to the end of it, you could have nothing to show for it. And this is really important to understand because we live in a day where everybody gets a trophy. And I told my son as, as we we're talking about college and wrestling through, and Robin and I, our sadness and our fear, and I just said to him, man, I love you. And I pray you walk with the Lord because now you're leaving our home. And I can't, I'm not going to be able to wake you up to go to church. And, and right now he has no option. He's got to come to church even though his prom was yesterday. I'm like, yeah, get your rear up. We're going to church. That's what, the way we roll at our house. And, um, but, but, you know, I did tell him, I said, man, I want you to know you can lose in life. You can absolutely lose. You can fail. And, and you know what? There will be people that will stand before God and it will not go well for them. And, and we live in a world that that's hard to hear. Because we want to say, oh, well, no, wait. Um, God's loving. Yes, he is loving. That's why he has given us his word to warn us, to guide us, to say, hey, look, there's a bridge out. And so don't keep running fast. 
and ignore the signs. And so it's important to recognize this reality that all of us, we, we could lose. We could dishonor God in the way we live. And that will not produce for us. And Ecclesiastes is clear on this. It also is another theme in Ecclesiastes that life is frail and it goes really fast. Now, the older we get, the more we realize that, don't we? I mean, the more we realize, man, life is frail. And, um, and it's, it goes fast. And, and I see this in my own. I watched, I watched Emily's boyfriend this week play, play his last college tennis match. And I went to Indian Springs, and, and I told Brad, I said, man, this is so much fun watching this. I remember this. I remember when we could hit that hard and we could run that fast. And, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, I can see all that. But then when I play tennis, my body's like, woo, And I'm like, ouch, you know? And that's just the reality of life. It goes fast. And this is what Ecclesiastes says. Um, Ecclesiastes also speaks to the fact that ending well is important. Ending well is an important and intentional pursuit. Think about that. Ending well is important, but it's also intentional. It's a pursuit that must be intentional, that, that you don't end well accidentally. And this is something I pray we recognize. This is true with our retirement accounts. It's true with our, our children, that, that we don't just happen to raise kids that love the Lord. No, there's intentionality with that. There, it's true, true with our church. Churches don't, don't, don't accidentally continue to, to reach out to a community where they live. Most churches are dying. Most, most Baptist churches are on a state of decline. That happens with great intentionality, not accidental. And it's my prayer that we're intentional about, about reaching people with the gospel, reaching the next generation. It's why we are uncomfortable with our preferences and we hold our, our preferences loosely and we hold to the word of God tightly. And this is the reality both ups and downs are, are, are in life are normal, Ecclesiastes tells us. That, that, that ups and downs, good times and bad times, that's just normal. It's going to rain in your life. There's going to be storms that come. That's the reality. And we, we have to understand that because, because as we walk with the Lord, we sometimes forget that, Lord, we, we need you every day. Um, Power and wealth have major limitations. This is a theme in Ecclesiastes. Power and wealth have major limitations. And, and we see this. It's a major theme in, in Ecclesiastes. Hope under the sun is real. It's another theme. Hope under the sun is real when you get a vision for life over the sun. And this is something I pray we experience in our lives. That, that we get a vision for what life is like over the sun. There will be a moment when we experience eternal life, eternity. And, and when, when we are no longer bound by time 
And Solomon is, is wise to help us recognize the, the frailty of life and the future that awaits us. And this is very important in the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, what, what we see revealed, God reveals the remedy to emptiness. And this is something I pray we see. This is a very important book. Look with me at chapter 1. The words of the preacher. Son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Point number two is this. And I pray we realize this and we, we teach this to our children that seeking God leads to stability and satisfaction. And this is true for your life, this is true for my life, that when you seek the Lord, when you seek his will, when you seek his heart, when you seek his plan, do you know what you will find? You will find stability in your life. You will find satisfaction in your life. And the reality is, this is the end of the matter, Solomon says. The end of the matter, all has been heard. I've tried everything. I've sought everything. And fear God and keep his commandments. What does fear God mean? It means to respect and honor the Lord. It's not meaning, oh God, I'm afraid to talk to you. It's not the English version of fear. It's the, it's the biblical explanation of respect and honor. You honor God. You keep his commandments. And he says this, for this is the whole duty of man. This is God's call for you. For God, what will he do? Will bring every deed into judgment. We're going to give account for everything we, in our lives. We, even as Christians, we will stand before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us this, the, the judgment seat of Christ, that, that even as a Christian, we will stand before the Lord. And when we stand before the Lord, it's not going to be a, a judgment on whether we go to heaven or not. We're, we're at, that's secured for us. Because of our salvation, because Jesus washed our sins away, our eternal life is secure. But when we stand before the Lord, we will give an account for our faithfulness to the Lord, for how we use the gifts he's given us, for how we stewarded our lives, our church, our, our families. And this is why I pray we don't miss the fact that God's, God sees us every day. He looks into our hearts. He knows our motivations. We can't hide from him. And it, it's amazing to me, it's interesting to me how we we forget to practice the presence of God. We should, we should do this. We should practice his presence. Live like, hey God, I know you see what's going on. Because he does. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's, and, and seeking God leads to satisfaction and stability. And, and God has spoken to us through his word. And he's revealed to us genu where, where genuine wisdom is found. Now, there's several places genuine wisdom is found. Genuine wisdom is found in God's design for the world. I love the song Joe sang today. I loved it. 
Genuine wisdom is found in God's design for the world. And it's beautiful. It's important. Look at verse 4. He says, a generation goes, chapter 1, verse 4. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north and around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. Verse 7 is so amazing. All streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south. The wind blows to the north. I love this. It's beautiful. You know, genuine wisdom is found in God's design for the world. And here's Solomon as he's writing this beautiful reality. God made this world. And, and I know our politicians say it's going to be destroyed, that we're going to destroy it. And the Bible already confirms this. That's why Jesus is going to come back and create a new heaven and a new earth. And he's going to write the wrongs, and correct the sin that continues to destroy everything we see, even our own lives. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be a part of recycling and things like that. But the truth is, God is going to come back, and God has designed this world, and he's going to correct our sin and our struggles and, and, and you got to see this. Solomon is writing to God's people. And, he, and, and you know what genuine wisdom is found in God's design for the world, but you know that genuine wisdom is also found in a personal relationship with God? That's where genuine wisdom is found, that you, you in, in all, it's amazing, you can have a personal relationship with the Lord. You can, and you should. And I, and I pray that you will. Now, um, you know, it's amazing to me that Solomon understood and he, and he realized he could know him and he didn't know him. And, and, and even in my quiet time this morning, I, turn over with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Look, look at Ephesians 3. I, this just hit me this morning. I don't have it on your notes because it was just something that God just said to me this morning. That as I was thinking about this idea that, God, I can know you and that genuine wisdom is found in knowing you. Walking with you, in Ephesians 3, verse 7, it says, Paul writes, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? And Paul says to even us Gentiles, we can know him. And genuine wisdom is found when you come to know Jesus, come to know the Lord personally. 
And I don't want you to miss this. Solomon knew God. He was one of God's people. And, and he was helping God's people recognize that following the Lord, seeking the Lord, is the path to meaning. And maybe you're struggling with meaning and, 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 and you're struggling with life because you're not, you don't know him. And can I tell you, that's where life begins when you come to know the Lord personally. Genuine wisdom is found in knowing the Lord. But there's another place where genuine wisdom is found. Genuine wisdom is found in, in a covenant community of God's people. That, that when you're in a community of God's people, there's wisdom here. You may be going, how do I know how to live? How do I know what to do? Well, genuine wisdom is found in God's design for life. Genuine wisdom is found in knowing God personally. That's how he designed us, to know him. Genuine wisdom is found here. As we surround ourselves with God's word and, and as God's people sharpen one another and help one another, look back at Ephesians 3, verse 10. He says... <laughs> That in 9, he says, I'm getting to preach to the Gentiles, and God is making these, this mystery known. Verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. That we have access to God. And I just want to stand in front of you today and say wisdom is found in, in, the, in your access to the Lord. Don't miss that. Genuine wisdom is found in the community as we come together and do what we're doing today and gather around his word and seek his face and know him and walk with him. Now, last thing today. Genuine wisdom is sought out consistently. And it's my prayer that you begin to say, Lord, I want to seek you. I want to seek your wisdom. Is that where you are right now? Are you a seeker of God? You know what I found out when I started seeking the Lord that I realized he was seeking me the whole time. I love that about the Lord. But, but can I ask you, are you striving to live by your own wisdom? Or are you submitting to God's wisdom? Because I would argue, most of us, when push comes to shove, when it comes to raising our kids, we look this way at the world's wisdom way more then we look this way at God's wisdom. And the book of Ecclesiastes focuses us. Look at what he says in verse 8. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. We... We're not satisfied with where we are and what we have. Verse 9, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. When I look at the problems we're facing, we're not facing anything new. Is there a thing, verse 10, is there, 
Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new, it's already been? It's, it's been already in the ages before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor there will, be, where, will there be any remembrance of later things, yet to be among those who come after. Now, I'm going to give you point number three. But we're going to talk about it next week. I told Rhonda today, my notes, I've got, I've got like 10 pages here of my notes. And I'm like, there's no way we're getting through this bad boy today. It's good because I've already written my sermon for next week, so it's great. Um, but can I tell you where we're going? We've got to learn to conduct consistent dash checks. When's the last time you looked at your dash? How are you living? Are you living in such a way that you're going to end in the right space, the right place? This is the wisdom of God. And can I just tell you that, like I said earlier, where that begins is a relationship with him. It's the moment that, that I said to Jesus, Lord, you are my Lord. And I turn to you. Have you done that? Joe's going to come out and we're going to have an invitation. And my prayer is that you recognize the wisdom that is in front of you. That you can live your life with the wisdom of God speaking to you and leading you and guiding you. And my, my, my concern is that so many of our kids, we're, we're, they're just looking at worldly wisdom. And why are they doing that? Well, they might just be following us. And my prayer is that we as parents, we recognize, as grandparents, we recognize the call to help our church, our families, our friends to look up at the Lord. Boy, we need the wisdom of God. And I'll tell you, you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. Do you know him? Are you following him today? And can I just call us to a refocus, to a re-evaluation of our lives? Would you take this moment to return to the Lord, to return to his will, to his wisdom? And maybe you need to come and pray with us. Maybe you need to come and just get on your knees and pray to the Lord. <clears throat> you know, we've got to get better <clears throat> at moving. One of the things I like, <clears throat> one of the reasons I like standing up, and I want you to stand right where you are. Would you stand? One of the reasons I, I like standing up <clears throat> is it's a step towards moving. We don't move well enough. And I'm not just trying to get people to come to pray at the altar to make me feel good. Because you know what? I'll be honest with you. 
there are many times I stand at this altar and nobody comes and it doesn't hurt my feelings at all because now I want us to move I think we need to move I think there's a lot of reasons to move to get on our knees and and maybe it's hard for you to get on your knees you could sit down in your chair and pray it's not about some spectacle but boy we need to turn to the wisdom of God return to that repent of that come to him move if he's moving you 